Nurks of the Hub, your fan cast, brought to you by TV Series Hub. Welcome to Nurks of the Hub. I'm your host, Kelsey. I'm joined by fellow host, Deb. Hi, everybody. And our guest, Milana Jamee Jackson. Hey. So we are so excited to have Milana on. We sort of fell in love, or I fell in love with Milana when she appeared on Strike Back, and I was like, this woman is amazing, <laughs> and got on just... Chicago PD recently filming for FBI. We are so excited. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I'm very excited. Well, we are um, maybe slightly nutty Strike Back fans, so we won't spend the whole podcast talking about that. We do understand, you know, you have other work. (laughs) Other work that we love. Yes, other work. Wow. That's true. But, um, you know, Strike Back's kind of like, the heart. So yeah. we we do, you know, want to start with that and we'll ask, you know, the most important question that everybody wants to know, which is of course Philip Winchester <laughs> ranking best kiss to bestest kiss. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm a lady, so I never tell. <laughs> I've had kissing scenes after Philip, <laughs> a few actually, but I would say he, I will say he kind of kicked it off. So that says something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he set the standard. The standard. It's very high, honey. It's very high, but um. <laughs> I think Mr. Hawkins probably lived up to that standard based yeah. on. <laughs> Yeah. No comment. No comment. I was going to say, you've uh, been a rough, ooh, you've had it rough. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, in all seriousness, no. So we we had heard that you were close to sort of giving up on acting before Strike Back. Is that that right? Wow. Um, Yeah, so... I was very much in a place in my career where I felt like the signs were leading towards that. Mm-hmm. Um, I had recently, well, the year prior to me booking the show, and when I say year, not even like 12 months, I had gotten, um, I had gotten into school and I was very de- devoted towards making an impact on people's lives in a way that was conducive for me spiritually and I didn't feel like you know like acting was was come the jobs weren't coming in and that's just with anything if you're not working in an industry and you're not working meaning like supporting yourself and surviving in that industry it kind of lends itself to have you think that maybe this isn't it and um, I had a lot of signs at least things that I saw as signs and I now see them as obstacles I saw these obstacles and I thought that that was God's way of telling me you need to do something else. So I had gone back to school. I didn't have, I lost my represent representation. I didn't have anyone in the industry that, um, that really kind of solidified that I should keep going until I booked this HBO pilot. And it was just really this Hollywood thing. And, And you hear about these stories all the time. And then when you're living it, you're like, you don't realize that this is one of those stories. It was like June 4th, June 4th. I was back in school. I was transferring into UCLA. I was ready. I got a call. My representation um, and my management kind of decided that it would be best if we part ways. 
And the request was from my agent at the time, was there anything that I could do for you? So I was like, yeah, you can give me representation. And although I, my heart was kind of torn about this industry, I was still holding on. And I didn't even realize it at the time. It just came out. It was just in, instinctively the thing that came up. And so I had gotten a very small agent. He submitted me for this HBO pilot with Spike Lee and Doug Ellen. Um, it was based off of Mike Tyson's life. It was going to be like Entourage for Mike Tyson. And I booked it. Series regular. I'm filming in New York with John Boyega and um, a few other actors. And nothing came out of that pilot. That pilot, though, in terms of like, the in terms of television like it didn't make it to hbo the hbo didn't pick it up but what happened was john's had a manager his name is femi um who actually has an acting school here and abroad he saw the pilot and he saw my performance and he we met and i told him kind of what was going on with me and because he was british because he had john and he had leticia i don't know if he had leticia right at the time i hope i'm saying her name right leticia leticia ada yeah leticia mm -hmm. from um from black panther yep yeah he represented um a, you know a lot of up and coming british actors and i was like the only american actor there he said that this was, he, you know, he was like, I would love to work with you. And I was kind of thinking like, no, I don't know if I should put myself through this again. I kind of went through this already. And he really believed in me in a way that I needed at the time. And my very first audition with him was Strike Back. Wow. Yeah. So it was really from that moment, it taught me that no matter how much a person believes in you, you have to believe in yourself more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like no matter how much a person loves you, you got to love yourself more. That's just the reality. And I felt like those lessons became a blessing in my life because I had to make a decision. I had to say, like, either we're going to be on this path and we're going to trust and believe in ourselves all the way until death or we're going to redirect our path and go on another, you know, um, head towards another um, option. And the more I settled into trusting the process and trusting strike back because i've been doing it well before strike back you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of people always say oh my gosh you know they assume that people are overnight successes and it's like yeah it's been 15 years <laughs> success for 10 years or you know however long it's been and it kind of been like that in my life and um so i was at the point where i was walking away and i committed because i'm very much a person that likes to succeed and you know doing well in school is something that for me helped to feed my soul because i felt like i could control it you know in this industry you can't really control um but now you know i realize post strike back even while working on strike back since we're talking about it you guys are fans <laughs> it really helped for me to work on a show that is on location. It was out of the country and I was able to grow creatively. I was able to grow spiritually and I was able to grow just, you know, professionally. You know, the show is really about a team and being a team player is important. Being, being present while being a team player is important. And I had never done anything close to the shit I was doing. <laughs> Like, I have to just say it like that. <laughs> Michael Bassett and Michael Casey, who are the producers and the director of that show, saw something in me that I didn't even recognize. And that was this badass warrior chick 
who <laughs> who's good at faking it because I would have to often tell myself this isn't real like we're not actually covering terrorism so I'm like crawling on the ground you know I'm, I'm holding my weapon learning learning that I'm really ambidextrous, so I can only shoot with my left hand, but I write with my right. You know, you have to figure these things out. We had um, intensive training. Like, you know, our our military team there, um, they were very much focused on making sure that we looked as authentic as possible because that's what the fans loved, you know? Mm-hmm. Loved. The fact that we that we're not afraid to get in the in the mud and the dirt and and be exposed to conditions and still look hot and sexy in the process. Well, there you go. You just summed up why we love the show. Yeah, I, yep. I get it. I get it. And I remember seeing the show when I was auditioning because I auditioned a lot. I auditioned in Los Angeles via tape and then my final final audition screen test was in the UK so I flew out to London and I remember looking at it during that phase of my audition process thinking like they want me for this like <laughs> I'm really girl like I'm like a girl <laughs> like, you want me to do what <laughs> so it and it was very fast it was very quick you know, I had to, I was, I was a hand-to-hand combat fighter, which helped because I got into a lot of fights growing up. Um, hand-to-hand combat is what you do when you grow up <laughs> in a city. <laughs> you know, but also, but also learning how to do that on camera because it's different. Right. You know, there's no right. true landing. Um, there's no true connection. Obviously, I, um, I made a mistake one time. The stunt man through one scene. I'll mention this. Um, we were, I was doing like my first fight, choreographed fight. And I think I came back and I extended my arm and I swung and I hit him in the eye and he had a black eye. And although I felt like shit, I felt kind of good because the stunt guy said, he was like, come at me. Like, like, let's go. And so yeah. I was just yeah. like wild with it. I was just trying to do it as much as I can. <laughs> I came back and I was like, oh my gosh. But we had to keep going and I didn't, you know, I didn't respond. I didn't realize it until after the actual fight. So it was cool to be able to say that some of that fight actually was real. I landed some stuff. I was going to say they probably used that scene. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're like, yeah. That, that was the best cut. The real one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you talked about the, the fact that you were almost on the point of giving up. And I, um, in an interview you did recently, you talked about how you changed your frame of reference of how you were going to look at your career and it landed with me immediately because it's it's something that I have on my computer screen it's on my door when I walk out in the morning as you know the way to approach life is to switch from an expect expectation point of view to a gratitude point of view Mm. so you know expect nothing appreciate everything yeah and I wonder is that Obviously, that's still working for you because things are going really well. And um, can you talk a little bit more about that? Because that really resonated with me. Absolutely. You know, it's a daily process. And I don't always remember to remind myself of that daily. What was happening that I recognized 
was it's really about the people that are in your life. And a lot of times we don't realize we have people in our lives who kind of contribute to a mindset of giving up. And it's not intentional. It's really to help you. It's like, you're not happy and I want you to be happy. So maybe you should, have you thought about maybe doing something else, you know, or have you thought about maybe restructuring your life in a way that will, you know, be supportive for your other goals? Cause you have so many gifts, you know, like they don't realize it. And then sometimes people are just naysayers. They are mm-hmm. so afraid of challenging themselves that they don't want you to challenge yourself because then you might not be on the same page and that's what right. keeps you together. So I had to, I had to really com- comprise all of these different elements, you know, changing my mindset was important. Appreciating what I had and being extremely grateful was another, you know, it's very difficult to ask for something if you're constantly, constantly got your hand out, you know, um, Mm -hmm. it's hard to receive it because you're constantly in this state of kind of, you know, I don't want to say desperation because that's not the right word, but it's almost like you're not seeing the forest for the trees. You're not Mm -hmm. seeing and realizing all of these great magnificent things because you're, it's not how you envisioned it. You know, it's not how I thought my career was going to be. I had no strike back was not on my to do lists for my goals and the year that I booked it. You know, I had other goals on my list. So I was focusing on those other goals. And when those other goals didn't show up and this did, I didn't realize that the goal could spawn off of this. You know, sometimes. Mm -hmm things come into our lives as springboards to catapult us to not even what we had thought we wanted, but uh, beyond what we thought we wanted, you know, like to the next dimension, as opposed to levels, you know, you think of levels like stair steps and sometimes something can catapult you so much to the point where you're jumping four or five steps, but that comes with appreciating all of what I went through prior to strike back, everything that I learned from strike back and it, and I, I, I promise you, Deb, when I say it really is a challenge because we live in a society where everyone tries to protect the world, like they try to protect strangers, people that they don't know, your loved ones. So if that's how we're conditioned, then it would be hard to recondition that mindset. So what I did was I said last year, I wanted to completely change my mindset and make a conscious effort to be positive about everything. It did not matter what it was. Um, I had this, I held myself accountable. I talked to, I was in therapy. I talked to my therapist about it. I talked to my spiritual advisor about it. I talked to my mom about it. I talked to like my closest friends, the small circle of people who would mimic that behavior it was something good so they wanted to say like they were like oh damn 60 days like well you could do more i said i know i could do more but let's just start with 60. (laughs) every day i would wake up and it didn't matter if it was if i got a parking ticket it didn't matter if i had gotten some bad news socially or professionally if i was not feeling well in my body I conditioned my mind. I had to say, well, the positive thing is now I could get rest or the positive thing is now I'm more aware because I wasn't 
you know, I was blocking someone's driveway or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Just small things, you know, maybe I, I needed to, I should have followed my instincts. So let me trust my instinct more. I just had to, I had to, it didn't matter. And I know that there are people who are going to say, well, what if it's something horrific? And what if it's something like, you know, like a death, a loss of a loved one or a relationship? Then I say, well, think about all the beautiful moments that you shared with this individual. Right. Hold on to that and know that that now you can use that to help plan into someone else. Mm -hmm. That is a way you can keep this spirit alive. This is a way you can keep that relationship going. This is a way that you can, uh, you lose your job, you know, well, maybe God or the spirit or your instinct or whatever was guiding you has been telling you to leave this job before to trust yourself a little bit more. Maybe this is the opportunity for you to do what you really love and to ask yourself, do I really love this? Do I really want this? Is the sacrifice worth it? I did this. And I'm not kidding when I say the, the process is a daily process and mm -hmm. I would do it. There's something I heard Jerry Seinfeld say, which is called, um, it's like a link chain and you take your calendar and whatever that thing is that you would like to do, you make sure that you circle the date and you create a, a chain and it's linking all the days together to remind you that you have this specific goal. So for him, let's say if it was, you know, writing a joke every day, he held himself accountable every day. If he looked at his calendar and it wasn't circled, he's like, oh, I got to write a joke today. And so now for 60 days or however long the time is, it could be an annual goal. You have you have said I've continued this link. I've continued this chain. It cannot be broken because I can accomplish this set goal. And that's what I did with the positivity thing. I love that. As a bullet journaler, I, I love like to do the bullet journaling. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> bullet ideas. journaling. Bullet journaling is like a, is not that, but I'm saying like, it's a sort of art, artistic way of finding art yeah. and like, yeah, artistic way of, of, of doing your calendar. So you do it all yourself. You create your layouts and mm -hmm. all that. And there's, so that you can bring in like, so that so that sitting down with your calendar every day is like a fun thing, yeah. right? You you know, so so I'm like, ooh, I could add mm -hmm. this in. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> and that and it's like a visual thing that you have to keep yourself uh, focused. I yeah, love that. yeah. Thank you. And and you know, it's it's great to be able to have these conversations because it reminds me. Some because sometimes you forget. You get so kind of caught up in the rigmarole of wherever you're being led, right? So you're like, okay, I got this. I'm in the driver's seat now. I could just coast and you forget like, no, you should never know. You should never coast because mm -hmm. sometimes you can, you know, you're so caught up in the landscape that you miss the turn. Right. You still have to yeah. have your foot on the gas. <laughs> you still have to have your foot in the gas and your eyes on the road, you know, or the horizon. I'm saying the yeah. land, the horizon could be so idyllic that you lose track of where you're going and you realize now you're either in a ditch or you're falling off the ledge, but you got to stay focused. So I love being able to have these conversations. Thank you for that question. Oh, I was so excited to ask you that question. And now I'm going to cry because I loved your answer. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. It's, it's real. It's genuine. So you probably felt the heart in it. Yeah, definitely. 
Well, we we reached out to Philip Winchester to ask him for a little insight or, you know, maybe a little dirt. But of course, being the perfect gentleman that he is, he wouldn't give us that. (laughs) He did um, say, well, you know, one thing I think it's might be a really good idea to ask anyone associated with um, Strike Back is a certain set of questions. Um, uh, Basically, you said this as well in the beginning that, you know, you really went through it together, that, yeah, it was great, but there was also a lot of shit to wade through. Um, So um, he suggested asking a highs and lows list. Like, Mm. what were your two biggest highs on the show and what were your two biggest lows? Yeah, it's, you know, that's the beautiful thing about working with Philip. <laughs> he, that's a great idea. Um, and that's a great approach towards every job. The highs, I would say, we're definitely experiencing um, culture in the actual countries where we worked in a way that was created appreciation for life. Mm-hmm. No, it's great to work in South Africa, Johannesburg for for a season, as opposed to just usually you get to visit a place like that for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And you're there for a season or and you're in Budapest for two, three seasons or Bangkok for these lengths of time, you really get exposed to culture, but also how great we have it as Americans. Mm-hmm. We really do. You see abject poverty. So a lot of the the highs, I would say, was to be able to establish relationships with these crew members who were diligent to make sure that that they provided us with our needs and sometimes our wants (laughs) (laughs) in a way that made me feel welcomed in their country because I'm still a I'm a foreigner. I was a minority in a lot of ways, but also a foreigner, you know. And then also the another high was that we I was exposed to a strike back family this third and the fourth season. Mm-hmm. And I'll have that for the rest of my life. You know, I'll always I don't think your fandom will die, you know, (laughs) on. And and that is a beautiful thing because it was such a special show. Um, I would say the lows would be definitely working on a show like that. You're distant from you are you're distant from home. You know, it, 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 it really established what was important to me. And this industry, you have to sacrifice a lot. And working with Philip and seeing his relationship with his wife and and you know her being very supportive was inspirational. But the low a low point is is that unless you kind of already have it, it's hard to cultivate that because I was mm-hmm. gone for two years out of the country. And I think another low would be working on the show was not realizing that my greatest potential. I was exposed to a lot of fears. I had a fear of heights. I had fear, like a real true fear of heights. Um, I had to face it and it was very challenging to, to, to fake these moments. And so, you know, Michael, the Michaels would find ways to get me to combat that fear. And I also recognized that there are people in this world who are in, in, who have an intention to terrorize nations you know mm-hmm. so it gave me a respect for our soldiers it gave me a respect for the, the you know people who devote their lives 
um, I was able to, this is probably another high, I was able to, the third season, go to an event by the Wounded Warriors and realizing that it might not be physical, it could be mental, mm -hmm. psychological. Um, that's a low point because you're reminded of that. You know, mm -hmm. you, you appreciate the fact that that they are able to see something that kind of resonates with them. But the reality is, is this is a lot of people's real life. And it takes a toll on you. It took a toll on us. We're filming the show and it's not real. So you can't imagine what people who are living this for years and tours are experiencing. I just wanted to follow up on what you just said, um, because I work with um, vets who have PTSD, um, exclusively a group of men, a, an organization that works only with men. I'm the only woman in the organization. And it is... Strike Back is, was an extremely important show to us, still is, but the Scott and Stonebridge years, you guys were, were really a touchstone for working with these guys and for myself. So I'm really going to cry now. <laughs> um, so thank you for talking about that um, because it is very important to, to vets. Yeah. And, you know, Michelle Lutz was on there from the beginning. And yeah. The thing was to be able to come on a show with a woman who had been in there been there from season one and uh, she embraced me in season three and season four in a way that really was necessary because it's a you know it's a male-driven show it's a lot of you know it's everything that men like basically <laughs> on the show and a lot of us women too and a lot of us women right and so we have a responsibility to to contribute and want to contribute in ways that remind the world that men aren't the only ones that are fighting the great fight, you know, that mm -hmm. we are in it too. And you're an example of that, Deb. You say you're the only one, but you're clearly necessary. And so I applaud you. Well, thank you. I'm not a vet. I somehow was accepted by these men. And um, yeah, it's amazing. They're amazing. They're amazing people. And that's even more special, the fact that you can empathize and it's not through experience, which tells us the power of empathy. You don't have to have experienced something to be able to understand what someone is going through. Right, right. You all right? Well, you need uh, tissue, honey. I'm like, I'm like, how do we move? On? I'm like, man, this 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 got this got really like no, sad. No, it's not. It's not. It's <laughs> no, not sad. Like touching. It's it's beautiful. It's touching. I'm gonna totally interrupt the beautiful and touching because we had a couple of fans ask questions that oh. I was gonna pass on to you. Um, so first, my assumption for this is like that you would answer yes, but I'm still gonna ask it. One of the uh, followers, David Forrest, asked, would you? Oh, my goodness. I think about that often. I really do. And I would love to be able to resurrect a character. But, it, you know, it always it's always interesting because I did not die. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You're the only one who lived. I did not die. I know. I'm like, there's like but three I, of you. Could I have survived? <laughs> him? It was sure. like, come on. You know, it's a TV show and it's a team. I, you know, I, I learned a lot. Kim was exposed to a lot and I was exposed to a lot playing Kim and I would love to play her again. I would, I, I would never say anything against wanting to resurrect that character. 
but again, the team is different, you know? Mm -hmm. So it would definitely, you know, reflect a different side of Kim, you know? And then it would, it's about the story. Who knows? Because, you know, Michael Casey's working on uh, The Crown. I'm not mistaken now. And, you know, people have kind of, uh, Philip is, is on SVU and Sullivan is on Blind Spot. And, you know, so, so it would be kind of different. So there's a different synergy and the camaraderie yeah. that would have to be set. But um, I did not die. That's all I keep saying. <laughs> <laughs> and every day I came to set. Uh, so, so Michael Bassett said to me, he would say the very first day, to make sure I stayed on my toes, I think. He was like, always remember, there's a bullet with your name on it. Because there's a bullet with everybody's name on it. Gosh, she oh, is brutal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, that's yeah. Yeah. I got, I got I'm shot. still here. I'm still thinking. I've been shot a couple of times on the show. But there, none of them resulted in my death. So, yep. she lives. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Shelly was shot every season. Every season they shot that woman. <laughs> yeah. Yes, they did. Yeah. Yes, they did. Unfortunately, <laughs> you are right about that. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by TVSeriesHub.tv, your site for entertainment news, reviews, and interviews. Now back to the show. So, and I did have one other, and I don't know if I'm going to say this right, we had a follower, Nagara at N-E-G-E-R-A mm-hmm. underscore N. Funniest wow. Um, funniest behind the scene memory. Um, goodness gracious. Um, funniest. Well, you know, Robson Green, I have to say, <laughs> I don't know how I could forget Mr. Mr. Robson. He was my saving grace. When we would do scenes together, this man would have me cracking up all the time. <laughs> and so I guess that was a moment. I think it was his birthday. We were shooting a scene outside and I was just talking to him. And I remember looking, I don't know if it was like in post-production or if it was on set but behind the scenes, the look I had in my eye when I was looking at this man was not, a, it just didn't work with the scene. It was kind of like I was mesmerized. <laughs> 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 was like, I was talking to him like, you know, he's, the, he's, um, I can't remember how, 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 my goodness, it's been so long. What would I call him? I can't remember what I would call him, but it was something I said to him and I was talking to him and I just had like like these stars in my eyes. I was like, this just doesn't seem appropriate. But it's because we were laughing about something. I was trying to hold on to that. (laughs) And we were, I was leading, I was walking into the van. So it was literally a moment where we were like, this looks like you guys are going to have sex after. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's not happening. And it wasn't appropriate. It's so funny because if they just took that little bite in that moment, you would have thought, I was like, yes. Yeah, so you want to go like business and this. <laughs> Stonebridge won't get that stick out of his butt. So you want to go? Exactly. Exactly. I was like, Kim is not that woman. Like, she's trying to sleep with anybody, okay? <laughs> so I think that was, that's the first time 
first thing that came to mind, I just remember, I remember us laughing. I remember us looking at it and laughing. I was like, that's such an inappropriate look. <laughs> what was I thinking? <laughs> and it's on film. <laughs> it, was so, it was so funny to me. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, we literally could talk about Strike Back forever. Yeah. Um, and so we might have to do, you know, this could be a 15-parter, but um, I would like to switch gears a little bit and talk um, about another favorite role of yours for me is the role you had in Aquarius. Oh, um, wow. I That was such a unique show, and I loved it, and your character was what a such a strong woman in such a completely unique situation, a unique point in time. I mean, there was just, she was so deep and so strong. And I wonder, you know, can you tell us a little bit more about playing her? Yeah. Uh, Kristen was her name. Mm -hmm. um, and I, Kristen Schaaf, and um, I was, it was really, truly an opportunity. I worked on that for two years. It came post post strike back in a lovely way because it got uh, it gave me an opportunity to show a softer side of me. Um, it also gave me an opportunity to play something that's very close and near to me, which is a um, you know I am very proud to be an American. I'm very proud to be an African American woman. Um, woman specifically, and I got a chance to kind of play with that in every way, you know, from the fashion to mm -hmm. the hair to the relationship. My husband was a detective, um, and it was during a time that was very terrorizing to America, having Charles Manson, you know, kind of impacted people's lives in, I know, at least in America, um, so, you know, it was a very beautiful uh, addition to the cast uh, in a way that I think was important. You know, I was the mm -hmm. only person, I was the only black woman that was a staple on the show. And it was very important to see me go somewhere other than just being his wife mm -hmm. um, and his, the mother of his child. And I loved how Ray Damon, who played my husband, um, Brian Shape, how he allowed, we had great chemistry. Mm -hmm. and he also was very instrumental in, in helping me, you know, he was the lead on the show. So he helped. I learned a lot working on that. Um, is It was during a very rough time in our country. And so I love that when we came back the next season that you saw like me evolve mm -hmm. and to this woman who is now sleeping kind of with the enemy, which is a very challenging thing even today. I can imagine that wives of police officers, especially with the, the amount of, um, you know, unjustified homicides, you know, that is a challenge. You know, there's a fraternal order that men kind of embrace and the wives of any officer, that could be, it, it can grapple with you psychologically. And I like that they tackled that in the 60s. You know, mm -hmm. obviously the show is about Charles Manson, David Duchovny and Gray had their relationship, but it showed a different side to the the character. And I love that, that I was chosen to be a part of that. 
I love that, especially when you relate it to nowadays, because like, yeah, I mean, I could definitely see that there is still that tension between parts of society and this, this idea that like, you love this person that you're married to, but they are part of something that you not don't support, but yeah, don't support actions mm-hmm. of some of the people. And there's this like, and we, we paint everybody with broad strokes in this country, probably in the whole world. Like, you know, all people we tend to group together and it's very difficult to break out of those. And when you're standing on a line in between that. It, it is. And then you, so you have to ask yourself, which is, what I appreciate, John McNamara was the uh, showrunner. He cast me. And I, I liked the fact that it didn't end happily. It didn't doesn't mean that it ended right or wrong. But just uh, sometimes, you know, you, you things come to a head and it might not be how you envision it. So it's like, well, how bad do you want it? You know, being loyal to yourself or being loyal to someone else, you got to contend with that. And it was interesting, you know, to see even the spiral of Gray's character of, of, of Brian going through the addiction. And so now I'm not only dealing with the racial conflict and my commitment to my community to help to contribute in a way, just like you're contributing to your community, you're contributing to the force, you're contributing to, you know, society. I have a responsibility as a human being to do the same thing. And you're on drugs? Come on now. <laughs> a lot. That's a lot for a woman to contend with. Heroin, you know, we in Chicago we say heroin. You know, like it's a lot to deal with an addiction. But also that, you know, that that was some things in Aquarius that I was able to do that I just really, I think, prepared me for what was forthcoming. And it kind of now talking about it, I'm thinking about Chicago PD. Yeah, I was going to bring up, I was going to say, you, you dealt with a lot of these same issues uh, recently. Layla. Layla. Yeah. Layla, Layla Davis uh, on Chicago PD, which was a phenomenal episode. I mean such a such an important episode i think a really standout for the season and i don't even need to see the rest of the season to say that it's a standout for the season but were you able to sort of use some of i, I guess from aquarius some of the things you learned or, or experienced from that yeah uh absolutely i i am i'm very much in and it's important that every job that i'm on that it is it's about something other than just my career and me that it has an impact in a way that once i'm gone it'll resonate with people that is important and i feel like every job prepares me for the next one either physically mentally or emotionally and so obviously working on going but prior to Strike Back, I had done a show called Lincoln Heights, and I'd done that. I'd done three episodes, three or four episodes. But that show, I was supposed to do one episode on that show. One, come in, terrorize the family, you know, like, stand up for what I believed in. I got arrested, and then that was it. But there was something I, had, my character, had an impact on the family 
um, the cat, the you know, the cast of the family, but also I guess the audience and the fans. So this is kind of a recurrent theme for me. Strike Back, I wasn't initially going to be a series regular. It was just a recurring character. Aquarius uh-huh. was the same way. Aquarius was one, maybe two episodes. I wound up doing two years. Um, How to Get Away with Murder was the same thing. One, maybe two, I wound up doing an entire season. So by the time a, uh, Chicago PD came up, I knew based upon my previous experience that anything was possible. But I also knew working on a show like Aquarius, my responsibility to myself, but also this man that's on the show. Uh, LaRoy's Hawkins has been on this show for six years and he had not had an opportunity to experience Mm -hmm. that kind of storyline. So Mm -hmm. I had had a duty and a responsibility. And also the fans have been wanting it for six mm-hmm. years. That's definitely been all over Twitter for six years. Absolutely. So I had a huge responsibility to him, to the fans, to myself, to my, you know, to um, the director who pitched me. You know, um, she was very much aware that we that we all had to come together in a way that was going to be something special and so kind of plant like the seeds that were planted and working with all these great directors on Aquarius making that transition to get involved with the community and becoming more involved with the Black Panther Party I was a I already had literature already had books but I was able to do a little bit more research so I kind of was prepared about the social responsibility that people have because being authentic to yourself is important but we're still human beings so we're flawed in a lot of ways and we get caught up in ways that we don't realize like all of these things to me was what helped Layla you know, she meets this man based on something that had had to do with her saving this young man. So her saving a young man brings this this very handsome man into her life, and she was she you know it had to be a love at first sight scenario. You know, in order for you guys to have an impact or be impacted, you had to believe that we were there was something special about the two of us. Because there's clearly something special about LaRoyce. <laughs> you know, clearly you guys needed this because yes. you 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 like him. You like who he is and you like who he's playing on this show. So I had to contribute to that. And Aquarius definitely helped me. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, I mean, he he's such an interesting character. And, you know, his relationship with his community and the police force, he's, he's on that line as well. And so to finally see a story that actually truly addressed that, and of course, as a Strike Back fan, to have you be on it was like like a little dance party. We were like, yeah. oh God, and then you know, there's a beautiful thing about the show, and I have to remind myself every single time I think about it. He's from Harvey, Illinois, playing a character from Harvey, Illinois. Mm-hmm. I'm from Chicago, and for the very first time since I've left, I played a woman from Chicago. It was serendipitous. There is no, you listen, if God would have told me this when, you know, June 4th, 2013 or 14th, when I was like, I'm done, that this was going to happen, I wouldn't have believed it. I wouldn't have believed it. I, I never saw that I would be working in Chicago again in that capacity on a show called Chicago PD. And I've auditioned for the show before. Like, that's, it's on for six years. I've auditioned. <laughs> 
for Chicago PD, but it had to be the right scenario. And this was perfect. Well, it really, it was, it was a fantastic episode. Um, and you're right. I mean, his character is just sort of always there in the background and, you know, they give him little things to do now and then, but um, really the only other episode that he's had a real focus on was another, was an episode in which of course he was accused of shooting a suspect mm. and um, which of course got Philip Winchester involved, but yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. I just realized that. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> but again, um, a storyline in which he was at odds with his community and trying to, you know, figure that out. And um, it was just, it was so great to see him really get a meaty role. And it's hard to believe that that was only one episode because yeah. there was just so much that happened, so much power to the performances. And, um, and at the end of it was, you know, and for me personally, it left me with the feeling like, okay, if if Layla was a white woman, would this be going on? Would she be going to jail? Interesting. Uh, yeah, you, you have to think about that because that's the reality. That is the reality. But it also lends itself to asking us at what point do we, are we no longer... Um, allowed to hold things over one's head when there's mm -hmm. when you see growth and evolution like it's a difference between oh that i did that 10 years ago but i'm still an asshole like <laughs> no that doesn't count right. <laughs> you, you you would mm -hmm. do it today but this character like one of the things that resonated really a lot to me about um from kevin's character was he was like if there's anybody that's reformed it's layla like when mm -hmm. you see people change or you see the evolution of them but they're still being held to something that they did as a kid mm -hmm. you know like 17 if we've i know i've done a lot of foolish things within the you know as an adult but you're talking like at 17, you know, mm -hmm. there's definitely is the, 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 the scales aren't balanced, you know, like it's mm -hmm. just not, and we can't deny that you can, right. you can live in denial. I don't, that's not a state I like to live in. I don't like to live in the state of denial, but the reality is just, you're right. But, but it also needs to be seen because a lot of times we forget if we're not living it. We don't see it. We're not exposed to it. We think it's a farce. We think that's a just a you know, that's just one isolated incident, or that's the minority. But this is the majority. This is the majority of how our system works. This is a this is a fact in our in the Chicago and inner cities and communities where they have to. And, you know, they have to contribute to the prison system because it's a business like we got to we got to really address all of this stuff. And what better way to do that than through art? Because mm -hmm. you're being entertained, but you're also being educated, which is also why I love that show. I hope I answered the question. Yes. Yes, you did. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that was it's so true, though. I mean, I think it's, you know, why so many people are fighting for I mean, not just like prison reform, but you know, for, for felons to get, be able to vote again. Things that, that you have to, if you not only reform, but, or on the other hand, like you did your time, it's time to, you paid your debt. That's the whole point of this. Now let's move forward and be like full citizens. Let's, there has to be a point at which, yeah, like forgiveness or just a realization that yeah. people are not what they've done in the past. Right. Well, and that's the thing, like 
it's it's a difference between repeat offenders. Recidivism is real, but it's a difference between repeat offenders and people who literally have paid their debt in a way. And 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 it could be through community service because we're not always caught like our I mean, you know, we've we've all committed something even if it's speeding and we didn't get a ticket. Imagine if the, you know, there was a video that came up that showed you doing something like speeding 10 years ago. You would be like, huh? Like what? You know, like, in, and I'm, and I'm trivializing it, but the reality is, is we've, we are guilty of doing something that might not have been deemed responsible, especially if we don't have certain people in our lives to hold us accountable. So this goes back to the accountability thing. And my character was that, then I held myself accountable, contributing to society in a way that was very similar to the way that Kevin was contributing to society, which was being authentic, authentic to himself and the, the fraternal order. But I had to be authentic to myself and my community. And I thought that that was a great moment of conflict, which is why you guys were so mm -hmm. impacted. And even me, even me when I saw it, I was like, wow, this is... Like I, my heart is kind of torn a little bit. Like I looked so sad at the end when I was carted away in the backseat of that car. And I saw to tell you how many times I've been arrested on TV. Oh, <laughs> 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 like I have been arrested a whole lot on TV. What is the current theme about me and handcuffs getting in the back of the squad? <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, you've been on like cold case, NCIS, without a trace, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've never been arrested in real life yet, but on TV, I yeah. am a criminal. I got a lot of records. <laughs> a lot of records. <laughs> a lot well, of records. You've also had the chance to play on the other side. I mean, you got to kick butt for two years and yeah. you have a role on FBI coming up. Yes, soon. I do. It's so, great. Anything great. you can tell us about that? Wow. I, you know, I have to say, I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to say. And I'm looking you in the eye when I say this. I don't know what I'm supposed to say. <laughs> but I will say that it's great to be in the D Dick Wolf family. The creator, I keep saying creator, um, and I don't think that's the proper title. And I don't want to, I'll say the executive producer of Chicago PD is also an executive producer of FBI. And having worked with him in that show this role came up on fbi and it's actually one it's a fun role i don't want i can't give any i don't want to give anything away i'm sure i could give it all away but i don't want to but what i will say is i am what can it's definitely it's different from chicago pd but there are some similarities interesting that's intriguing. <laughs> That's all I'll say. <laughs> um, any idea when it's going to air? I don't have any idea, and I and I'm usually equipped with ideas. <laughs> I like to have that information. <laughs> um, and my, you know, my mom is really good at telling me. I'm looking it up and trying to see if I could find some information. My mom is so good. When I listen, when I was on set for Chicago PD, she knew the exact air date. I was still filming it. Uh, November 14th is coming out. So I don't know yet. It's definitely, obviously it's going to be next year, but I would imagine um, that we're moving pretty fast. 
So it'll either be late January or early February, I'm assuming, but I don't know for sure. Yeah. My character's name on FBI is Gina. My name is Gina Pratt. And the, the, uh, I think I could say this is storyline intersects with one of the, um, one of the main characters. Um, there is, um, can I say that? There is an, it's an opportunity to see the risk, the toll that a job like that can take on an individual. That's what I'll say about that one. Mm. Working on Strike Back gave me a chance to do things that kind of support my next job that's coming out. I did a movie with Ethan Hawke, and it's an independent film, and I actually play a detective in that. So, so Strike Back, it usually, so from Strike Back, I'm usually, you know, I'm usually combating crime or I'm participating in crime. Like, the- <laughs> or on Strike Back, <laughs> often both. <laughs> trying to you know i'm trying to arrest the criminals like it's the one or the other so badass is there and you know i'm above the law or i'm with the law so my next job is i play a detective and it was great because i got a chance to work with ethan hawk the director's name is logan green marshall he's an actor that has worked on actually a, a lot of stuff but this is his directorial debut great to yeah it was great to be able to work with Ethan Hawke in a way that was inspiring yeah it was really Can you tell us a little bit more about that yeah so I play a detective so the, the storyline is about this man who gets out of jail after being in there for 20 years and him trying to get uh, acclimated to society with mm-hmm. all of the changes so you imagine you know we just something as simple as Skype mm-hmm is not necessarily available was not necessarily uh, available but also it's not it's not accessible that's not the right word it's not uh, something that a lot of prisoners are aware of so there's there's advances in our technology that they haven't even been exposed to so you can't imagine being in prison for 20 years, 20 some odd years. And it was for a, a marijuana violation. So it was a minor offense. Um, 20 years, he gets out and he's trying to make that transition. He's trying to get back. He's trying to get a job. And something happens with an encounter that he has that um, alerts the police. And I'm one of the detectives that shows up for that. Yeah. It's called Warris. Cool. Well, we're big indie film fans, so oh. we're writing everything down. Yeah, yeah. It's a, <laughs> it's a true. I mean, it's. I have no idea of a release date. I would imagine it's going to be next year, but it could be 2020 because it is an indie film. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's very much, in my opinion, in the style of Ethan Hawke. Um, if you are familiar with the style, you know what that means. So it was just, it was great to be able to do film. Film is really what motivated and inspired me to want to get in this business is to do movies. So to be able to work with him in a, that capacity uh, was fun. Yeah. Can't wait to see it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm going to look different. So you might not recognize me. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I changed my hair. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's intrigued. That's you're good at this teasing thing. <laughs> I've, been, I've been told that before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Well, we appreciate you spending all this time with us um, answering all our questions. So we wanted to end on our standard last question, your favorite fan interaction. So I have a couple, but I will say, and I'm only using this because I was shocked. I had an opportunity to, (laughs) had an opportunity to meet people who are fans who are like huge celebrities. Mm -hmm. And it's really funny when you meet someone and they're like, oh, so what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I'm an actor. And it's like, oh, really? Wow, like anything I may have seen? And it's and so my response was, well, you know, I did this TV show called Strike Back. Strike Back! <laughs> and they fan out. And it was David Schwimmer. <gasps> oh my yeah. God! Oh, you well, well, that's what he said he was like but your hair was different you had it was curly and you had on a hat and i was like yeah david i'm I, but i'm i'm, I'm at a, a play like i'm like <laughs> <laughs> wear the whole fatigue and the, sh- the boots and no but it was very it was funny because you know david schwimmer who doesn't know david schwimmer i didn't watch i have to be honest i didn't watch friends but i we have a mutual friend so i was just grateful for the way that he was such a great friend and supportive friend for my, one of my best friends and um, writing partners. And so I was just literally saying, thank you for being a great friend to my friend. We have mutual friend and I love that you're loving on her. And he was like, oh, so what do you do? And that's how we went to the conversation. I was like, I'm an actor. It's like, oh, really? You know, it's always this thing like, oh, really? Oh, wow, that's awesome. How's it going for you? Like, what's happening? I'm like, it's been okay. I can't complain, you know? Really, anything I've seen, and I mentioned How to Get Away with Murder because it was the most recent thing I I had done, and I think my hair might have still been in that curly style, and I I can't remember, but something said to say Strike Back, and it was literally like, Strike Back. Wait, wait, hold on. Who, who did you play? I love that show. What, what did you do? I was like, there's only one black woman on the show, David. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <It's> so true. <laughs> so I would say that was like my most uh, fan favorite interaction. But the fans that I do have from Strike Back who send me messages on Twitter or who follow me on Facebook or Instagram are some of the most loyal fans. And I am so grateful for each and every one of them. Seriously, you mentioned David's name, I think, earlier. What was the guy's name? What was the handle? David Fortis, David. yeah. Um, like, I, I see these names in Twitter. I recognize the handles. And, you know, they might not retweet anything, but if Strike Back is involved, I'll definitely give some love. <laughs> Well, we should probably admit to you that we um, run the Strike Back crib and the Fans of Philip um, pages. So you've retweeted our stuff before, too, and it's always kind of a big treat. Oh, I didn't know. We're always like, oh, my God, Milana likes it. (laughs) Yeah, I I try. I'm not. I am not the best with social media. 
I prefer personal social encounters as opposed to social media. I am working on that. That is a goal of mine within the next five years. Hopefully I'll get better. But when I do come to Twitter, I do see things that you guys post about the show. It's always received with love and, and appreciation because we're doing this to help you guys be entertained in a way that impacts your life, that makes you feel emotionally invested, you know, um, that makes you want to have something to look forward to because life is dismal enough, you know, sometimes we need escapes and I've had some great opportunity be to be cast in shows that help us escape mm -hmm. and still, you know, resonate with you in a positive way. And I love that. Thank you. Well, thank you. We have, you know, your stuff matters, you know, everything that you have been a part of has, has been impactful and important. And it's not just, you know, throwaway roles. They're all, they, they, they are impactful and, and it makes a difference. And that's why we all love you and blah, blah, blah. And, and, you know, all that. So thank you. But for really big so heartfelt blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I get it. It's intentional. It's intentional. It's a conversation that I had to have with myself specifically when I was at that point because I, I used to go out for everything. I felt like that's my responsibility is to audition for every single job. It didn't matter if it was impactful. It didn't matter if it helped me, if it helped my, my um, creativity, um, if it helped society. I would just say like, well, the job is to audition, you know, is to just go in and audition. And then I realized that that wasn't contributing to my soul. Mm -hmm. um, in a way that mattered. And I want to live my best life. As Oprah said 20, however many years ago, live your best life. And we're saying and singing today. And it means doing jobs and being a part of projects that matter. And um, I am grateful to say that I am able to do that. And I pray that that is going to be the, tr the, the path that my career goes on until I die. Well, I think with that as your mindset, there's no way that it can't. Yeah. Yeah, that's the most positive way I can look at it. Because I'm not going to always say, I don't know about y'all, but I'm not going to be here forever. My mother <laughs> says that. She's like, you're not going to, we're not going to be here forever. We're not. <laughs> I, and I, I, while I'm here, I want to enjoy the time. And being an actor in this business is hard. It's not easy. It is not easy and people make it look easy and people make it sound like it's easy. It is very difficult, especially as a woman, especially as a black woman, especially as an American black woman. It is challenging, but I have been blessed to be a part of shows and each one that you guys are talking about are ones that resonate with you. And you guys don't look like me, but you still feel connected to me. So that says something. Well, and you, you joke that you're not going to be here forever. But you are because you've given us these roles. That Absolutely. When you're on TV, you know, television lives forever. These it's characters right. will live forever. Yeah. And that's a huge responsibility. And I have to be reminded of that. And I have been and I'll continue to be. Well, thank you so much again for all this time. And we really appreciate it. And we love you. And thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to another NERCS podcast. Rate us, leave us a review on iTunes, and follow us on Twitter at NERCS of the Hub. And let us know what you think. 